Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by community pastor Ted Canaris as we continue the series, Refresh. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Have you ever been on your computer navigating your way through the World Wide Web when all of a sudden something goes terribly wrong? Maybe you were watching a video and the page froze up. Maybe you were trying to enter your info into a drop-down menu that stopped working for some reason. Or maybe you were watching Community Online and it wouldn't stop buffering. Impossible. Nothing ever goes wrong with Community Online. But I'm asking you to use your imagination. So what do you do when you encounter these problems? You simply drag your cursor up to this little symbol in your browser window and click it. It's called the Refresh button. Just click that little button at the top of your screen and everything reloads and starts over. It's like you get a fresh start, a new beginning. It's time to refresh. I recently came across an incredible story of a woman named Hillary Harris. Hillary had been adopted as a baby, and as an adult, she began a quest to find all the members of her birth family. It didn't take long for her to discover the names of her biological parents, but she also discovered that she had a half-sister named Don Johnson. Not that Don Johnson. This is Don, D-A-W-N, Johnson. For years, Hillary searched for her sister, and she had come up empty-handed. But that all changed on one hot summer day in 2018. Hillary and her husband, Lance, lived in a house that shared a driveway with the house next door. And that shared driveway had caused all sorts of problems for them with some of the people who had moved in and out of that house over the years. So when they saw yet another truck blocking their driveway, they had had enough. In fact, Hillary had gotten so frustrated with the constant turnover of bad neighbors that she decided to ignore these new neighbors altogether. Well, one day, A large order of roof shingles was dropped off by a truck, once again blocking their shared driveway. And so frustrated Hillary stormed out of her driveway where the shingles had been covered by a big red tarp. And as she got closer, she froze and her stomach dropped into her toes. And in big block letters along the tarp was written the name Don Johnson. As you can imagine, Hillary was in complete shock. Later that night, Hillary went over to her neighbor, and to both of their astonishment, they confirmed that they were, in fact, sisters. Now, Hillary and Don are inseparable. They went from being frustrated neighbors to best friends in the blink of an eye. There's so much to love about that story, isn't there? But what really strikes me is that out of their annoyed interactions and messy family histories— comes a relationship that is somehow even more incredible, even more wonderful, even more compelling because of that hardship. All of that difficulty seemed to sort of fade away when they begin to see each other for who they really are, family. We love stories like this. I mean, there's a reason this story made national news. And I think our culture is really starving for stories like this, stories of love that that rise up in the most ordinary places against all odds, stories that capture the kind of connection that we all crave. And as surprising and unusual as this story is, we all have more in common with Hillary and Don than you might realize. We're in week three of our series called Refresh. 
at times we know that life can feel like a web page that, that isn't quite running right. And when that happens, it's time to hit that refresh button. You hit that little button at the top of your browser and you start all over. You get a fresh start. You get a new beginning. And we believe that Jesus wants to bring that kind of refreshing in our church and in our lives as Christ followers. But often something precedes this kind of refreshing. And in the first days of the church, the apostle Peter urged people with these words. He said, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repentance is about turning around and moving forward in a new and better direction. Repentance is the turn from self-centeredness to Jesus-centeredness. And Peter says that this kind of true repentance will lead to times of refreshing. And so during this series, we're challenging one another to hit the refresh button in our lives, to stop, to turn away from anything that's incompatible with our allegiance to Jesus, and to move forward in a better way, the Jesus way, together. To guide our way forward, we've been focusing on what Jesus says are the most important things for all of us, loving God and loving people. Here at Community, we believe that Jesus' words call us to reorient our lives around loving God, loving people in the church, and loving people in the world. And today, we're talking about that second relationship. What does it look like for us to love one another in the church, to start seeing each other like Hillary and Don as family? Now, whether you're joining us today in person or online, it can be easy to think that we're on our own island. We're sort of siloed in our lives away from other people. And I think this has been especially true for us throughout this pandemic, right? We have spent so much time alone at home and so much less time out with other people. And unfortunately, I think it has highlighted and, and expanded some of the feelings of separation and division in our culture. In fact, I learned over the past couple of weeks that this COVID-19 pandemic has left another pandemic in its wake, a pandemic of loneliness. A recent study from Medical News Today found that 80% of young adults ages 18 to 35 reported significant depressive symptoms due to loneliness this season. Yes, you heard me right, 80%. And those of us in the church have not been exempt from this isolating aftermath, which is part of the reason why we're talking about this today and why it's so, so important. The church is to be so much more than a service on Sunday. It's so much more than even a group of people on mission together. The writers of scripture tell us that when we repent, when we turn our lives towards Jesus, we actually become the adopted children of God. The apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome saying, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And to the church in Galatia, he said, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Through the work of the spirit, we enter into an eternally binding relationship with God as his sons and daughters. This is incredible, right? But that also means that when we enter in this eternally binding relationship with God, we enter into another eternally binding relationship, not one only with God, but one with one another. As sisters and as brothers, it means that we are a family. Now, remember the story of Hillary Harris and Don Johnson? 
One of the reasons I love that story is because it's such a great illustration for what God intends to happen in the church. When we find our way back to God, not only do we find ourselves as, as his beloved child, we find ourselves in a new family. The people who are trying, uh, the people who are typing in the chat room right now in community online, they are now your brothers and your sisters. Today, it's not uncommon to hear people say something like, I love Jesus, but I, I hate the church. And while I understand the sentiment of what's being said there, the frustration or the hurt, I need to point out that this is actually impossible to do. You can't love Jesus and hate the church. Just like you wouldn't expect to be my friend if you said, hey, Ted, I really like you. I love you, brother, but I hate your wife. <laughs> I'm sorry. That would be a deal breaker for me, right? See, becoming a child of God means you get new siblings. You become a part of a new family. And not only is that a fact, it's also a necessity. I love the way Pastor Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life, apart from an immersion in and embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. In order to live as apprentices of Jesus, we need a family for help, support, and encouragement. We can't live out the Jesus way without siblings in the church. So how do we do this? How do we love one another? How are we to relate to one another as a family? Well, to answer that, let's look at the example Jesus set for us at a Passover meal 2,000 years ago. During the Passover celebration, the population of Jerusalem swelled to more than 2 million people as the Jewish people made pilgrimages from all over the Roman Empire to the temple. You could imagine it being like a massive crowd of people in the city waiting for a big event like the Bulls Championship Parade or the Blackhawks Stanley Cup celebration. You remember when we had those things back in the day? Everything feels chaotic. There are people everywhere. And if you can put yourself in that scene, you're beginning to imagine what Jerusalem would have felt like at the time of Passover. Just add some sheep and some goats and, and no indoor plumbing and you start to get the idea. And it's in the middle of this loud and crowded scene that Jesus gathers his disciples, those who were closest to him, in a small private room away from all the chaos. And here's what's unfolds. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus is with his disciples, the men and women who had traveled with him for the past three years. They have become family and he wants to love them to the end. And to do so, he does two things. First, it says the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. The first thing that Jesus does is to gather his new family around the table for a meal. Then think for a moment about who's gathered at this table. This is one messy family, a seriously dysfunctional family, actually. You have Peter, who's about to deny Jesus three times, and of course, Judas, who's already planning to betray Jesus to his death. I mean, you thought your family gatherings were bad. Just picture this. But the fact that Jesus gathered everyone around a table eating together wasn't arbitrary. It has profound meaning. 
The Passover meal itself played a significant role in family, social, and religious life at the time. And in general, the evening meal was a time when all family members would gather together as an important time of fellowship. The table was a symbol of being within arm's reach of other people. This was a family gathered around a table. This is a group of people who did life together through the good, through the bad, and the ugly. And it's here, it's here that we get a picture of friends who have become family. And as John mentioned, Jesus loved them deeply all the way to the end. But the story, the story doesn't stop there. It goes on. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Okay, here's the part that's easy to miss. John says that Jesus knew that the Father, God, had put all things under his power. That's a lot of authority, right? So what does Jesus do with all of that power? Does he lord it over others? Does he demand that he be served? No, he gets down low and he does the task that was normally reserved for the lowliest servants. He shows his loves for his family by washing their feet. Jesus is on his knees. He's serving his new family with a towel. What an incredible display of humility. What an incredible display of servant leadership. And I love what happens next. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. I mean, I can understand Peter's reaction here, right? Can't you? I mean, this is his rabbi. This is his Messiah. This is his leader. How absurd it must have seemed for Jesus to be washing his feet. But Jesus as he often does, gives a very surprising response. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I love Peter's response here, just so classic Peter. He goes from, no, 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 you can't wash my feet, Lord, to, you know what, I'll go ahead and take the deluxe wash in like three seconds flat. I just love Peter. And then in just a few verses, Jesus takes this example even further when he says this. Now, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus is saying, my service to you is not just a, a nice object lesson or a performance piece. He looks at each of them and he says, this, this is how you are to love one another around a table with a towel, around a table with a towel. You're to gather together as a family. You are to serve one another with humility. So what does this look like in our world? How can we love one another in this way? Well, here at Community, we believe that God calls us to live out this gathering and serving through a practice we call Connect. 
Connect is all about loving the people in the church, our new brothers and sisters God has given to us to be in our family. Jesus modeled this love by gathering his disciples around a table. And that's why we challenge every person to commit to being in a small group. In small groups, we gather around physical or metaphorical tables, either digitally or in person, to be in relationship with other Christ followers. A small group is meant to be a group of people who who do life together through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, it takes time, but when we give ourselves to one another in this way, small groups are where friends become family. Small groups are how we gather at the table and love one another. But we can't just stop there. Our love for one another leads us into a life of self-sacrifice, a life of serving one another, a life of humility, just as Jesus modeled for us as he washed the disciples' feet. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to sniff your neighbor's nasty feet, but one of the best ways that we can love the people in the church is by serving on a ministry team. So let me just pause here for a second, because if you've been around community for a while, you'll recognize that this is a change in the way we talk about Connect. In the past, we've talked about serving on a ministry team as a part of Contribute, the third C. However, as we've sensed God calling us to refresh how we do things moving forward and and focus on loving God and loving people, we've realized that ministry teams are really a way that we love people in the church. For example, the best way to love the kids in our church is by serving them in our Kids City ministry. Kids City is an incredibly important and amazing opportunity for us as a church to love the next generation of our church well. If you have a heart to serve the next generation of the church— sign up to serve in Kid City. And the same is true for every ministry team, whether it's serving in our Stuco student ministry, on a first impressions team, on our prayer team, on our arts team, our security team. Every team is an opportunity to love the people of the church by picking up a towel and serving one another. This second C, connect, is about growing in your love for people in the church. So let me challenge you today. Maybe during this past year, you've gotten off track and feel like you've grown a little more isolated from the people in the church. It's been easy to do during this pandemic. Now is the perfect time to hit the refresh button. Now is the perfect time to commit to the practices of Connect that will help you move forward in a new and in a better way. It's time to love your new family well. Join a small group. Sign up for a ministry team. I believe God wants that for you. I believe he wants that for me. I believe he wants that for all of us as a family. Jesus loved his family by gathering them around a table and serving them with a towel. And we are meant to follow his example. But here's the incredible thing about this. When we love each other, the blessings of that don't just stay within the four walls of the church. They spill out into our world, bringing transformation everywhere that we go. In fact, listen to what Jesus says towards the end of this chapter. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is saying that how we care for one another in the family of God has a massive implication for the world around us. Simply put, when we love each other well around tables and with towels, the world We'll see Jesus. 
To illustrate this, I want to close with a story from the writer and NPR commentator Heather King. Heather was a recovering alcoholic who came to faith in Christ, and in a blog post, she reflected on her initial experience with the church, with her new family. And I'd like to share a portion of that with you. Heather tells her story like this. My first impulse was to think, my God, I don't want to get sober, or in the case of the church worship, with these nutcases, or boring people, or people with different politics, different tasted music, different food, books, or whatever. Nothing shatters our egos like worshiping with people we did not handpick. The humiliation of discovering that we are thrown in with extremely unpromising people, people who are broken, misguided, wishy-washy, out for themselves, people who are us. But we don't come to church to be with people who are like us in the way we want them to be. We come because we have staked our souls on the fact that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and the church is the best place, the only place to be while all of us struggle to figure out what it means. We come because we are hard-pressed to say which is the bigger scandal of the two scandals of God, that he loves us or that he loves everyone else. We are living in a time where our world feels deeply divided and filled with animosity. People are searching for this kind of community, this kind of love, this kind of family. And that's who we are meant to be. This isn't for professionals or for veterans. This is for all of us. We are family. <laughs> 